Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that we're together online. And I'm still excited about this new series called Comeback, It's Time. Have you been really thinking about the definition that we've been pulling together every week? Let's look at it again. The word comeback means to return to life, to regain a favorable position, to recover from a deficit. When you think about a comeback story, what comes to your mind? One that comes to my mind is something that's exciting. I love baseball. I don't know about you, but I enjoy going to a good baseball game. Now, maybe that's because of the hot dog and the nachos and the ice cream, but I do love the sport, and I have since I was a kid. In 2004, I found myself in front of a TV every night. My son, Matt, was with me, and I let him stay up beyond his bedtime because we really hoped history was going to be made. Now, if you are a baseball fan, you know about the curse of the Bambino on the Red Sox team in Boston. It was 1919 when the New York Yankees paid a hundred thousand dollars think about that 1919 a hundred thousand dollars cash in order to trade and be able to get the incredible baseball player named babe ruth he left boston for new york from that time on boston couldn't win a series let alone a world series but 2004 I'm sitting in front of my TV, and I, I'm just hoping, like everyone else, you just get caught up in the story. And then it happened. The Yankees were up three games. Everyone thought Boston could never pull off a comeback, but it was epic. You know why? Come on, you baseball fans. I know you're tracking with me. In order to win the American League Championship Series and go to the World Series, Boston had to come back four games in a row. And they did it. I watched it. We stayed up beyond midnight. Matt was so tired when he got up every morning, but it was worthwhile because we watched history being made. They won the ALCS title, and then they went on to beat the St. Louis Cardinals in four straight games and win the World Series and broke the curse of the Bambino after 86 years. Now, come on. That's a comeback story. But you know what I was thinking? If the entire world, especially Boston, got so excited about a comeback story that centered around a baseball team, then how much more does God rejoice in our comebacks? 
If, if it says in the Bible, which it does, that when someone comes to know Jesus as their Savior, that the angels rejoice, well, then what kind of parties are being thrown in heaven when somebody has a comeback that has been prayed for, that people have been working toward, that God's grace has been showered on someone's life? What kind of celebration is there for that kind of not only spiritual comeback, but eternal comeback. Wow. Do you need that kind of comeback in your life? If you do, and I think we all do, you've come to the right place. Man, we have been, we have been taking each of these incredible stories in the book of Acts in the New Testament, and we've just been plowing in to understand what's been going on. We watched the greatest comeback story of Jesus coming back from death to life. We've talked about Moses uh, from black sheep to God's shepherd. And then what about last week when we talked about the Ethiopian eunuch who became an incredible world changer and evangelist? Well, where do you go today? Where are we headed? I want to talk about the Apostle Paul. But before he was ever Paul, his name was Saul. Now get that in your mind. When I talk about Saul, this is pre-Paul. And we're going to watch how Jesus transforms an assassin into an apostle. I, we don't have time to talk about Paul as a church planner, the author of 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament, a trained Pharisee, educated, a leader, and a friend to the disciples. We can't unpack all that at one moment in time. But today what we are going to look at is his transformation comeback story. But before we ever dive into the first bit of scripture, I really want us to understand something. To be able to walk with Saul, we have to realize that often, the reason that we struggle with comebacks, they're called excuses. Are, are you an excuse maker? In fact, this morning I'm actually calling them pushbacks. Do you make excuses or do you push back when God is trying to bring about a comeback in your life? See, I really believe this. We're all going to have to wade through our excuses and our pushbacks in order to understand the steps to move forward for our comeback. Pastor Rick Warren writes this. God wants to use you to make a difference in the world. He wants to work through you. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of it. Not how long you've lived, but how you lived. If you're not involved in any service or ministry, what excuse have you been using? I mean, think about it. Just get your, your mind wrapped around this, okay? Do not begin to even think that God can't use you or make excuses about your comeback because you're imperfect. Well, join the club. We all are. In fact, 
As I go down through some scripture, think about this. Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair and had a very dysfunctional family. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah depressed. John the Baptist was eccentric. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha was a worrier. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular, as tax collectors are. Thomas had doubts. And Timothy, Paul's protege, he was timid. Now, come on. Did you pick something out for yourself? Could you see yourself in any of those incredible biblical characters that we actually call now today heroes of the faith all of us can make excuses just like them paul we're we're gonna see paul as saul have three pushbacks but he had to walk through them in order to be able to have a comeback you're going to have to do the same thing and so am i it's really time to quit making excuses now listen we all have feelings and we all have things that we want to do because we just want to do them. It feels better. I want to do it. That's the life I want to live. Forget what God says. I, how about this one? Here's an excuse. I can believe in God and love God, but I don't have to do everything God wants me to do. Do you want to come back of epic proportions? I know you do. And God wants you to have it. Isn't that awesome? So let's look at this. Let's dive in. Acts chapter 9. And let's, let's look at verses 1 through 5. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he wanted to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Here's our first pushback. Our comeback requires undeniable accountability. Just say it with me at home. Our comeback requires undeniable accountability. Now, think about this. Saul was from Tarsus. He was a committed Jew. He was actually a trained Pharisee. He was commissioned by the high priest in Jerusalem to return Jewish followers from what was first called the way. We, we know us, uh, this group, as followers of Jesus or Christians, but these new believers on the way were people that Saul wanted to arrest. He wanted to punish them. In fact, he was willing to kill them. Did you see it? Murderous threats. He was an assassin. He had extradition papers in hand. Saul gathered a group of men to travel to Damascus, a city in Syria, and as they all were traveling the Damascus road, suddenly a light from heaven was seen 
it was seen by the, the entire entourage, the entire group, but it was only Saul who heard this voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Man, this was, this was going to be a life-changing comeback event for Saul. The Jews believed, now think about this, the Jews believed that God's voice had been silent for over 400 years. No prophet. They hadn't heard anything. And then Jesus is born. For 33 years, he lives on this earth. He's an incredible, not only teacher, not only a rabbi, not only a man of God, he is the son of God. And people are hearing the voice of God again. But Saul, mm -mm, not Saul. Saul had a pushback. He's like, he's not the Messiah. We, we killed him. Yeah, his disciples say he's, he's resurrected and alive, but we're going to kill these followers of Jesus because it's just a bunch of lies. No one believes it, and we're not going to let, this is Saul's thinking, we're not going to let this sect of liars divide God's people. But then Saul sees a light from heaven and he hears a voice and he asks, who are you? The voice says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, now just notice this. I think this is essential. Saul pushes back with a question. Who are you, Lord? He doesn't say, oh, Jesus, I thought, I thought you weren't true, or I thought you were dead. He doesn't say, I'm doing it, please forgive me, have grace on me. I don't know what you would do if a light from heaven showed up, but would your first question is, who are you? Do you have authority to speak to me? I don't believe in you, and you're telling me it's Jesus? We all have the same issue, don't we? Come on, let, let, let's really dive into this. Let's, let's get honest about this. Is God speaking to you about some things in your life as you seek him? Maybe you don't even really know him, but I guarantee God's speaking. Maybe you know Jesus and God is speaking. But have you kind of tied the things up in a neat little package and put them off to the side and said, I'll deal with that later? Or how about a real pushback? Who are you, Jesus, to tell me what you want? See, we have revelation, like Saul, in so many ways. I haven't seen a light from heaven, but I've read God's word. I've heard incredible teaching and preaching. I have friends that have walked into my life, people that have prayed for me. I've seen miracles. I've watched God work in incredible ways. That's all a part of our comeback. But see, the reality is, our comeback requires undeniable accountability. Undeniable accountability. And you know what? It starts out from a young age. <laughs> when, when our son Matt was small, he must have been about three years old, he somehow got away from Kay in the house and went into the garage. Now, he was safe. The garage door was down, and Kay thought she knew exactly where he was, but just a few minutes, now listen, just a few minutes later, Matt's mom found him talking out in the garage. And you know what he had done? He had put his little feet 
in my oil pan that I had drained the oil out of the car to change the oil, he had stepped into the pan. You can tell he's a boy. And he got out, and then little black footprints. Now, I love this. Kay looks at him and goes, Matt, did you get in daddy's oil? His first response was, no, mommy, I didn't. She goes, whose footprints are these in daddy's garage? He goes, I don't know. Oh, from an early age, come on. From an early age, we've all had pushbacks, and Saul was no different. Pat Summit was an incredible coach for the University of Tennessee. She had more wins than any other men or women's Division I basketball coach. And she said this, accountability is essential to personal growth as well as team growth. How can you, you improve if you're never wrong? If you don't admit a mistake and take responsibility for it, you're bound to make the same one again. Listen, before Saul could ever have a comeback and become Paul, he was going to have to have undeniable accountability. You and I need it too. All of us need irrefutable accountability from God, but we also need it from someone we trust. In fact, I have a question. Who are you inviting into your life as a friend, an accountability partner, a mentor, and you literally say, where do you see my life coming off the rails? Where am I, where am I going in a direction of feelings instead of faith? Please hear me on this first pushback. Don't keep denying the accountability that God is bringing to you, whether you ask for it or not, from friends, from family, in prayer, through God's word, or preaching. And if you're seeking God and you don't know really anything about him, just listen. He is right there. He was for Saul. Isn't that encouraging? If you think that you can't have a relationship with God or he's not real, just think of Saul. Saul was on his way to Damascus to murder and capture people, extradite them to Jerusalem for trial, and then God spoke to a man who did not believe. God can do that for Saul. He can do it for you. Let's look at Acts 9, 6 through 9. Now get up and go into the city. Now this is Jesus speaking to Saul. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Pushback number two. Our comeback demands an unconditional surrender. Mm. Do you ever push back on this one? Is, is this a favorite? God, I'll give you some of my life, but I'm not going to give it all to you. God, I believe some of your, your word, the Bible, but I'm not going to believe it all because times have changed. Cultures change. You know, I, I'm going to do some, but I'm not going to do it all. Or God, I've done this one. God, 
can we, can we find a compromise? Please? Our comeback demands an unconditional surrender to God, but that's where the pushback is. Just think about Saul. Immediately, Saul gets up to go into the city. He's, he's in the very city he's headed into to arrest people. But when he gets up, he's, he's blind. When he gets up, he's blind. Hmm. And, and I, I just wonder, do you think that was too harsh? Do you think it was too harsh that God blinded him? I'm not a big fan of pain. I, I'm not a big fan of heartbreak. I can't even imagine what Saul was going through when he got up off the ground and he couldn't see. But remember, remember, we have to have undeniable accountability and now unconditional surrender. Look at how God changes Saul's position from an assassin, murderous leader. Now he is blind. He cannot see. And instead of leading, he has to be led. Why? I think it's simple. It takes time and commitment in order to move from our own feelings that are getting in the way, our own desires that are leading us astray, and be able to get us on the right comeback road. Think about that. Paul was on the Damascus road, but he was on the wrong road. What about us? Are we on the wrong road? Have we, have we gotten so far down the path? Man, I've done that before with the GPS. Have you? I've, I've dialed in something on the GPS, and then I hear her. I used to have her in a British accent, and she would speak to me in this British accent. Maybe I was so taken up with how she sounded, but I, I would get, all of a sudden I would get, I can remember this one time. I was out uh, in the middle, uh, we were trying to get somewhere, Kay and I, and we found ourselves out in the country on the wrong road. Kay looks over at me, and she goes, I don't think she knows what she's talking about. I said, I don't either. What about you and I? Are, do we have our own wrong internal GPS at times? If it's just about us or our friends, we are going to get lost. That's why we have to surrender everything to God. God blinded Saul for three days to go into Damascus and wait in silence. In fact, we're told he didn't eat, he didn't drink, he had to fast, he had to pray. Why? His entire life was shifting. This wasn't some small baby step comeback. This was an epic, huge life transformation comeback. The kind of comeback we all need. I don't want just a, a, a shift in the right direction. I need to go in the right direction. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians 15.10? This is now... Saul, who became Paul, and he writes of his own life. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. But the grace of God that was with me. This is a powerful passage, and, and here's the reason. The word effect means vain or empty in the Greek. Paul declares, no matter how hard I worked for God, because think about it, he was working for God, he thought, as a, as a Jewish Pharisee going to 
arrest or kill people in Damascus. But when God shifted Saul into Paul, later he would write to the church at Corinth these words, no matter how hard I work, I realize this, it is by grace that God has saved me. The question that you and I all have to answer is, if we want to come back, and I know you do, if you really want to be on the right road, you and I have to unconditionally surrender not only our lives, but please hear me, please hear me. We have to surrender the things that are the most precious to us. Our hopes, our dreams, our family, our friends, our relationships. We've got to surrender our addictions, the things that, that make us comfortable. What was the last time we surrendered something to God? And we said, I am going to do this, God. And it, it, it hurts. It's painful. It breaks my heart. But I'm going to do it because I've known for a long time it's the right thing. I love reading Oswald Chambers. He once said, if you are faced with the question of whether or not to surrender, make a determination to go on through the crisis. Surrendering all that you have and all that you are to him. And God will then equip you to do all that he requires of you. Hey, friends, we can't, we can't know the power of God as God wants to give it until we surrender our attitudes, our negativity, the things we like, the things we don't like. Yeah, it's a struggle. But whatever you're struggling with, I want to just love on you a little bit. Would you please get in front of God, whether you don't really know him or whether you've known him a long time, will you just get in front of God and say, I surrender my all. Whatever you want, no matter how hard it is, I want to do it your way, God, because when we do that, it's better than we could imagine or dream, which leads to Acts 9, 10 through 19. Here's the, the last of this story. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. You like that? It's, it's bold. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him much. He must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. 
He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent, that was a mouthful, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Here's the third pushback. Our comeback needs unexpected partnerships. I just need to lay this out. If you really don't have any relationships or partnerships with people that you respect enough to, to listen to their wisdom and truth, especially when you don't like it, you're in trouble. Yeah, we all don't think we need anybody. Come on, you've been there. I don't need any help. I don't need to ask for any help. That's where I think Saul was. God was dramatic. He had blinded Saul. Okay, and do you see how the dots are connecting? This is the reason that Saul was blinded because he would have pushed back against a partnership with people he was trying to capture, arrest, or kill. This was Saul the assassin. In fact, that's what made Ananias so nervous. I love the conversation between Ananias and Jesus, don't you? I think it's incredible. Jesus appears to Ananias, I assume, in his prayers. And they, they begin this dialogue together. I, I, I think it's just, just amazing. And, and Jesus says, here is Saul the assassin's address. I want you to go to that address. Here it is. Ananias pushes back. Uh, I know you're God and everything, but are you really aware who this guy is? Listen, the minute that God starts to talk to us about our comeback journey, we're going to push back the way Ananias did, and we're going to say, God, we know you're sovereign, but are you really sure about this? Do you want me to, to do this? Do you want me not to do this? Do you want me to be in relationship? You don't want me? God, what is it you want me to do? See, we all say, God, I'm all in, until God says, good, go. Ananias says, Jesus, I don't think you get it. And Jesus, I love this, doesn't take no for an answer. He says to Ananias firmly, I'm done talking about this. You are going to go, go. And that's why this is so important. But don't miss the, the I think, the twist in Acts 9, 50 through 16. Can I go back and read it? But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must have to suffer for my name. Now, two bold things come out about partnerships. Number one, we have a tendency to be jealous. Why didn't Ananias go, well, if you're going to use Saul that way, why don't you use me that way? Come on. If you're going to, do you ever look at other people and you go, God, why are they so blessed? God's looking at you going, how do you know you're not so blessed? In fact, without Ananias, we wouldn't have Saul who became Paul. Now there's something else. Do you ever want to get your digs in? Is that why Ananias went? Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show him how much he has to suffer for my name. Ananias. Yeah, I'll go if he's really going to suffer and you're going to stick it to him. 
No, 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 no. Wrong attitude. Ananias needed to come back in his own life. Come back from fear. Come back from selfishness. Come back from, from not wanting to be a bridge to becoming a bridge builder for God. Never underestimate the role that you're going to play in God's plan. You're important. You're essential. In fact, I want to say this because I love you so much. Be careful that we don't all just sit at home so much these days and forget that it's wonderful to get together online, but God has a comeback plan for all of us, and he wants to empower us just like he did Ananias. And he's saying the same thing to us that he's saying to Ananias. Get up off the couch and go. Go do it. Go, to, go be a part of somebody's comeback story. Mm. You see, Ananias realized that his comeback was tied to Saul's comeback. And that's why our comeback needs unexpected partnerships. And he goes. He goes. He goes. He must have knocked on the door. They let him in. I think Saul, after three days of surrender, wanted to see again, don't you? Instead of wanting to kill people like Ananias, now he needs Ananias' partnership. And look at what happens. Don't miss the subtlety of this. Ananias walks in. Brother Saul. He's giving Saul a glimpse of what God is about to do in his transformation. Oh, you are important to give people a glimpse of what God's going to do. Brother Saul, the same Lord Jesus who appeared to you has sent to me. It's, it's confirmation. And then what does he do? He lays hands on him. The man he didn't even want to go see, he touches him. He lays hands on him. He prays for him with love and grace. Saul is saved. He's not yet called Paul, but he is on a comeback. His life is being changed. The scales fall from his eyes. Oh, what scales do you and I need to fall from our eyes? We're blinded by culture. We're blinded by our friends. We're blinded by the things that we should see so easily right in front of us. But we can't without help. Oh, run to somebody today and ask them to pray with you. Ask somebody to be a truth teller in your life. Let the scales fall. Get close to one another. And Saul could see. We need each other to see clearly the path of our comeback that God has in front of us. Mm. He got up and he was baptized. Isn't that awesome? And the power of the Holy Spirit filled him. Only Jesus can give us the spiritual sight we need. He expects us to quit pushing back on everything. Stop making excuses. Former President George W. Bush had a wonderful opportunity to walk around his family's compound in Maine with the amazing Billy Graham. It was in 1985. And as they were walking, President Bush, not president yet, said to Billy Graham, uh, I've been thinking about reading the Bible. I think it would help me. 
Graham said, one of the first and foremost lessons of God's word is to realize that we're all sinners and we need to be saved by God's grace. Bush says, it was a profound concept for me. I didn't grasp it that day, but Billy Graham had planted a seed in my life and the soil of my heart wasn't as hard. After he got back to Texas, he found a Bible from Billy Graham and he had written his, this beautiful inscription from Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that the God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. Do you know who wrote that? Saul who became Paul. The assassin turned evangelist. I just wonder today, where you at? Have you been making excuses and you know it? Have you been denying what it is that God wants to do in your life? God has an epic comeback for all of us, but we have to trust him. So here's, I'm going to just walk out in front and here's what I want you to do. You know I love this whole hand thing, right? If you're just catching us by now, I love this whole hand thing. Will you put them out open together, but open palm, would you do it? Now, I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this morning before I pray for us. I want you to put in your hands what you need to surrender. Mentally, I want you to think of a person you need to surrender, a relationship. I want you to think about an attitude, uh, a fear. Think about something that you can name and, and literally picture yourself putting it in your hands. And we're going to pray. And we're going to surrender it to God. We're going to give our excuses and our pushbacks to God. Are you ready? Let's pray. God, I know what I'm putting in my hands. I'm thinking about several things that you and I have wrestled with through the years. Most of them, I've given them over. But there's a few holdouts. And God, today I put them in my hands and I surrender them to you. I, I'm just, in fact, God, I'm just throwing them out of my hands all the way to heaven. I don't want any excuses or pushbacks to get in the way of my relationship with you, Jesus. Father, take all of our excuses and we give them to you. If there's someone listening today who needs Jesus, the same Jesus that called out to Saul, God, I pray that they would just simply say, Jesus, invade my heart and mind. Please forgive me for my sins. I repent and be my Savior. And God, for those that have been walking with you, Jesus, we just give everything to you, even the things that you may have to pry out of our hands a little bit. They're all yours. Help us to have a comeback of epic proportions. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you so much. You're amazing. God is so good. Keep tracking. Let us know how you're doing. Reach out in the chat online. And just remember, we're here for you anytime you need us. And until we see each other again, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below 
And you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.